When man began to multiply on the face of the land, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive, and they took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. We take a look at the issues of the day both in and out of the church via teaching and interviews. The goal here is to stimulate thoughts and conversations that will lead to positive growth and action on the part of the listener. Our prayer is that those who have an ear to hear will hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Welcome back to another edition of The Sword and the Spirit. I'm your host, Donald Reimer. And today we're going to take a look at covenants, the importance of covenants and why covenants. When you look back at the scripture that was read today out of Genesis, you saw that by the sixth chapter, evil had begun to increase on the face of the earth. So God has to has a dilemma here because God is a righteous and a true and a just and a holy God. So when wherever there is sin, wherever there is wickedness, it's in the best interest of, of creation that God judge it and remove it from uh, from existence. However, on the other hand, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God loves humanity. Uh, man is made the image and the likeness of God. They, we, we, even in our fallen condition, and even though it's damaged and marred, we have the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so God now ha doesn't want to destroy man, but at the same time, and he has a plan of redemption, but as he's working his plan of redemption, God has a timing for everything. Um, these are some of the things in the Bible that we're just not going to get any answers to because the scriptures doesn't answer it. Why God has to wait so long before he brings Messiah into the world. But that's divine prerogative on how God wants to do it. Now to us it seems long, but to God is probably like, you know, a nanite of a second. If you want to call it that. thousand years is a day to God. So it's like, well, wasn't that long. But to us, our concepts of time, it seems like forever, you know, before he finally brings this thing to fruition. Uh, so we can't always look at it from the perspective of our, of our own timetable because time, the concepts of time mean nothing to God. They're, they're not relevant at all. All right. So what are we talking about here? All right. So God now has a, has a dilemma in the sense that he now he has to... It, People are living 900, 900 plus years, almost to 1,000 years, 965. I forgot how old Methuselah was. I think he was 990 or 980, somewhere in there. And people are living a long, long life because of sin has not had its full effect on human beings just yet. It's, it, death has entered the world, but people are still strong. They're still, you know, not that far away from Adam to where they don't... Um, with the body strong enough that it can live. And the earth is probably pure at that time. Man has not polluted it yet. The atmosphere is probably perfect. They're eating the right foods, etc. Yeah, so people are living a long time. 
Plus, like I said, the effects of sin is like a slow burn. So could you imagine a person like Pol Pot with the Khmer Rouge or a man like Hitler living for 900 plus years? That's, you know, you saw the amount of damage these men can do in a 70 year span. Can you imagine now what the damage some of these folks can do uh, in, in having 900 years to do said damage? Are you kidding me? No. Because uh-uh. even if you lock them up, you give them life 20 years and they're out and they're still going to be living to be 900 and something. So they've got more time to come back out and make even more mischief. So what does God do? To slow the spread of evil in the earth and he, so that he won't have to utterly destroy us. What you just read there in Genesis, God reduces the lifespan of humanity to 120 years. And then you'll see after Noah, he even reduces it even a little bit more. Where the average lifespan now is about 70, is it? According to the scriptures. But man is getting better at medicine now, so people are living longer. Um, but still not strong enough uh, to where, you know, at 70-year-old, 90-year-old guys out here doing damage. You know, they don't move and do things quite the way they used to. But, you know, God allows life to be extended in some cases, sure. And we have some centurions, people into 108 or whatever. But you don't have people living to 150 all the way, 150 plus. That, that's just not happening anywhere, as far as I know, on the earth. And if they are, there's like one in a million. And I'd hate to see what the quality of life they have at that age. Um and then by that time, all your friends are gone, all your peers. You have no peers anymore. It's just you. So, you know, who are you going to relate to, right? So that's one of the ways God determined to, to slow the spread of evil down on the earth by reducing the lifespan. That's one way God has kept himself from having to kill people. Now, let me make this clear. We don't have a vengeful, vindictive God in the sense of uh, he's angry all the time and he can't wait to murder people. It's quite it's quite the opposite. God is love and uh, and God is light and in him is no darkness at all. But because God is holy and he knows holiness and godliness is in the best interest of creation uh, and sin mars the creation and damages everybody and everything around it. Even Adam's sin has affected even the earth. In Romans, it says, Romans 8, it says, all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God. Even the earth is like, oh my God, when is this going to, when is this going to be done? You remember during the pandemic when we had the first global lockdown, as far as I know in human history, at least in my lifetime, and there was a global lockdown. The animals, the animals started to come out of the woods and lay down in the middle of the street, lions and all this kind of stuff. It was as if though the, the animal world was, kingdom was saying, thank God the humans are gone. You know, we got a little bit of reprieve. You know, we can relax. You know, we can, we can take it easy. Because when man comes around, the most brutal and fearsome creature on the planet is, is man. We're the most savage and the most vicious. There's no animal that made an A-bomb. We made bombs that can barbecue in entire cities uh, in, in, in a matter of seconds. Yeah, that's, that's vicious. That's vicious. We've, we've got gas, mustard gas and nerve gases. and Yeah, we, we, we've made some weapons of, of, of 
fine-tuned destruction. Okay, so uh, man is the most vicious and the most dangerous creature on earth. Humanity, mankind, is the apex predator on the planet. We're it. Numero uno. Never mind the shark. I can't wait to tell about no shark and T-Rex. It's man. We're it. Top of the heap. King of the world. It's humanity. So everything we do affects creation. So God in his divine wisdom has to slow, let's slow, let's slow this thing down a bit. And then he creates these things called covenants. Most of the covenants we're going to do today, um, I've been looking at some, some say there's eight, so others say there's, there's, uh, there's seven uh, covenants when I, when I Googled it and tried to you know, do a little bit of research on it. Um, but I came up with actually eight. However, we're not going to do all eight. They say five of the, there are five ones that are major. And that's what I'll probably look at. Five, I might throw the sixth one in there. But there are at least five major uh, covenants that we're going to look at today. That's what we're going to take our time with. And so I'm not exhausting this. Like, let me get my disclaimer. I'm not saying this is all there is to know about covenants. I'm not saying that I'm covering all the covenants in the Bible. There are others. But these are the main ones with, with whom we have to do uh, in this particular point in time. So we can get a picture of it. As far as I know, all the covenants, all the covenants uh, don't require us to do practically anything. And it's all of God. Except for one, which is the Sinai uh, or the Mosaic covenant that was made on Sinai. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, all covenants are not eternal. They're not in effect like forever. Uh, some covenants are just stopgap measures and just temporary until the new covenant gets here, which is in Christ. And that nullifies the other ones or overrides and makes them of none of no consequence anymore. Okay, so um, the first one we're going to look at is Genesis 9. Genesis chapter 9, which is the... Uh, covenant God made with Noah uh, that and so we're going to take a look at that and kind of see what God did and he begins to give Noah some instructions after he leaves the um, after he leaves the the ark and this is what what God says to him And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, for all future generations. 
I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it, and remember the everlasting covenant between God, and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Amen. So that's the first covenant we're going to talk about today, which is the covenant God made with Noah. And all God simply says, I'm not going to flood the earth anymore. And look at that. Look at it now. Remember now, God is not just thinking about humanity. That's why people think, oh, God's just so mean. He's just beating up on people. But God is beating up on people that are destroying creation. Yeah, God is a tree hugger, people. That's right. People out there hugging trees. Oh, please don't cut the tree down. Yeah. God is concerned about us living in perfect harmony and balance with, our, with the creation. And when we do sin and we do stupid things, such, down, such as what you see when they, they cut down rainforests in, uh, in Brazil, which, by the way, regulates the temperature uh, on the, practically the entire planet, those rainforests, and you cut that down, now you start getting weird weather. And I saw pictures where they, they, was just, they just took the oil out of the ground. Oil is just everywhere, all over the place. And these companies come in, they don't clean anything up. That's because of sin. That's the effects of sin. We just take our stuff out of the earth we don't repair anything we don't put anything back we don't replant trees and this is what happens you end up damaging the, the entire planet and and in revelations god said he will destroy those who destroy the earth so we are caretakers here that's why he told me fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth he didn't say destroy it you know i know sometimes and it is annoying you know when you're trying to build something i suppose if you're in construction and you're trying to build something, and now you've got these environmental impact studies that just slow everything down. And you're like, geez, you know, I could have built this thing by now and moved on to another project. But you got to find that balance where you're not just tearing things up and impact on how it's going to impact the environmental the ecosystems, etc. I think those things are important. And clearly you can see from this scripture that God is concerned about the, the, the balance of, of nature. And so God will destroy man. Not just for, in, obviously for sin, but one of the sins that man does is he destroys the planet. He's not replenishing it, he's wrecking it. And even now, you know, a lot of our inventions, as good as they are, and hear what I'm saying, I, you know, um, I'm so used to automobile, I can't see myself living without the automobile. I, I just, I do not want to go back to horse and buggy. Um, but yet, we have to figure something out because... You know, we know these things are destroying the, the um, causing global um, climate change. Okay, and it's not a hoax. I know some Christians think want to run around, oh, it's a hoax, yeah, it's fake. Yeah. That's fine. You can you can take that position if you want. I don't take that position. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, there's no reason, I have no reason to disbelieve the scientists at this point. And nobody's given me a good enough reason to think that they're, they're not accurate. Okay, I don't, I don't see what they're going to gain by making things up like this. any rate, um, that's the Noah's covenant. Now, in Noah's and Noah's covenant, God's not asking him to do anything. He's just simply telling you what he's going to do. That's the Noah covenant. All right, simple, right? 
Now let's move on to Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. Let's go move on to the Abrahamic covenant, which we find in Genesis 12. And uh, it's, at least it begins in Genesis 12, doesn't end there. There's some other asp- other things are added on later on to it. At one point, he tells Abraham, he's the Lord, walk before me and be perfect. But let's look at the opening part of the Abrahamic covenant. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God is raising up Abraham now, and he calls Abraham out from his land, out from his people, and he says, follow me, worship me, don't go after other gods, which Abraham did that. That didn't seem too difficult to do. And uh, I will bless you and make your name great. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's the bottom line. The top line is God's going to bless Abraham. And the bottom line, why is God blessing Abraham? So that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We want to be blessed through uh through Abraham. So God makes that covenant with him. And Abraham, we all know the story of Abraham. He rescues Lot and he goes through all the various things with this with his um with his nephew. So the Abrahamic covenant. And what I and this is one of the most important ones. This is one of the ones that that supersedes all the other covenants that follow the, the one of the few covenants that does not dissolve. The Abrahamic covenant is um, is eternal. The uh, Davidic covenant is eternal because it's dealing with Christ, and so is the the new covenant. However, the Mosaic covenant it is eternal, but only in a certain context, because uh, Jesus said, "The not one jot or one tittle shall pass away from the word of God." So it's not that the Mosaic law is passing away, but it's relational, and when you're under the other covenants, then the Abrahamic covenant doesn't apply to you. I mean, the Mosaic covenant does not apply. You do not want to stay under the Mosaic covenant. You want to move under the new covenant and receive all the blessings of the Abrahamic covenant. And um, the Davidic covenant is not for us. That's the covenants you want to stay under. If you try to do anything else, then you're pretty much doomed for failure. And we'll see that here in a minute. The next segment will expand on the Abrahamic covenant. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought them all these. Cut them in half, 
and laid each half over against the other, but he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down in the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now Sarai, Amen. Wife, had borne him no children. Amen. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Amen, sister. Oh man, she's still reading. <laughs> All right. There you see the Abrahamic covenant. Now, what what I want you to look in the characteristics of Abraham. Abraham was staying awake. He 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 he, he followed the plan of the sacrifice God told him to do. So that's what he did. He had everything in place. And then he's waiting for God so he can make this covenant. Now, the way things were done, when you made this, you, you cut up the animals and you, you, would, you would light a fire. And then I would walk through the midst of the sacrifice on all sides. You got half on one side, half the animals on the other side. And I would declare to you what I would do for you. I'd say, all right, um, you know, David, I'm going to do this and thus and so for you. And I'd walk through there. Then David would then he would pass through and say what he's going to do for me. All right, Donald, this is what I'm going to do for you. All right. And then we make the sacrifice. We eat and we've had we we have a covenant. We have an agreement between the two of us. But Abraham falls asleep. God doesn't even show up. And he's to the point where Abraham is trying to shoo the, the vultures and stuff away from off the off the carcasses. But he waits on God, and God waits him. God puts him in a deep sleep, prophesies to him about the captivity in Egypt, and explains to him why he's not going to do anything just yet because the iniquity of these nations has not come to a full yet. So God has a timetable as to when He acts in judgment. But when the iniquity gets full enough, then He's like, "All right, now I'm going to act." All right, so there's a cutoff point. I don't know what it is. I don't think anybody knows what it is except for God. But there's a cutoff point when, you, when you're living in sin, and there's a cutoff point where God says, okay, now the iniquity is full, the cup is full, time for judgment. And again, that's just one of those uh, things that we just have to take it at face value what the Scripture says. And the Bible is not written to explain everything. It's just to give us an idea of what's going on and what we need to do to live godly lives. 
Uh, but other than that, it's not you're gonna get, you're not gonna understand all the great mysteries of the universe from reading the Bible. That's not gonna happen. All right. So Abraham falls asleep, and when he wakes up, God is a flame of fire, as a smoking pot is walking through, up and down the sacrifice, and declaring to Abraham what he's going to do. But I want you to pay attention to this. God didn't ask Abraham to do anything. Oh, yeah, he, he set the sacrifice and laid everything out. He prepared the preparation. But once the preparation was done, God didn't say, Abraham, if you do this, I'm going to do this for you. In fact, that's why I had verse 6 thrown in. This is Genesis 15, by the way, and I started at 15, verse 6. But there's more to the story further up. But I want, but I want you to see verse 6 because it said, And Abraham believed God, and God counted it, counted it to him for righteousness. This is the aspect of the Abrahamic covenant that doesn't change. You believe God, God declares you righteous once you believe what he says. Remember now, Christ has not yet come, but Abraham believed him. And then God said, therefore, I counted to him as righteousness. Wow. Okay. And then God makes a covenant with Abraham, but God doesn't require Abraham to do anything. Hmm. There's no law given. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not. None of that is given. He just simply says, here's what I'm going to do for you, Abraham. Now, if you study in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith of fame, um, everybody in there fails. Abraham is a flawed human being. He lies. He goes into his concubine, Hagar. God's not telling people to do all this stuff. And he creates Ishmael and creates a, a bigger problem. And the problems you see in the Middle East, that's Hagar, that's, that's Hagar and, and Sarah at war with each other. These two women didn't like each other. And there's been war between them ever since. Um, the Ishmael comes to the Arab states. <laughs> excuse me. Comes to Arabic states. And... The Jews and Arabs been at each other's throat ever from day one. This is Ishmael and Isaac, Sarah and Hagar, Ishmael and Isaac, Jacob and Esau. The two nations that struggle within your womb. Yeah, because Esau, when he leaves, he marries into the Ishmaelites. Okay, so what you see in the Middle East is has been prophesied. These guys are, are struggling. They're always at war with each other. Palestinians, the Jews, it is just what it is. All right. And that, a lot of that has to do with one of Abraham's many failures. Okay? But in spite of his failures, now people say, well, God said, told Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. Well, if perfect means sinless, then Abraham messed up. But obviously, God made provisions in the covenant so that he would not have to, he could help Abraham to, to do what he asked him to do. And Abraham did finally accomplish it. But it wasn't a straight line. There was a lot of failure and bad starts in between. Eventually, he got it right for the most part. Um, but God establishes a covenant with him, and the covenant doesn't require Abraham to do anything. This is one of the ways that God keeps from killing and wiping mankind off the face of the earth. And God is now working on the redemptive process. And he looks down and he says, well, no matter who I get, they're going to mess up. So he established covenants. And then because God is a person of his word, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. 
let God be true and every man a liar. So once God swears by his own name, because there is none greater through whom by whom he could swear. So God swears by his own name, I'm going to do these various things for you. And God doesn't require Abraham to do anything except Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So God set it up, set up a fail-safe system that even if, even if Abraham messes up big time, which in some ways he did, the covenant, I'm still going to do with Abraham what I said I'm going to do. It's not going to null and void the contract that I have with him. This is why when God makes covenants, there's no requirement on our part. Setting the rainbow in the sky, there's no requirement on God, on, on humanity's part. Because humanity, as you can see, is going to start all over again with the wickedness. Um, and there you go. It's downhill from there. So, And God knows that. He said, okay, I'll reduce the lifespan and slow the spread of wickedness. And secondly, I will establish covenants. And these covenants will keep me from destroying the land. So that I can bring Messiah into, I'll have time to process everything and bring Messiah into the world and to save humanity. That's why covenants are given. All right, so that's the Abrahamic covenant. You find that in Genesis 12, also in Genesis 15. And again, like I said, I'm not exhausting this. All right, now, so we have the Noah, Noah's covenant, the Abrahamic covenant. Now we're going to go on to the Mosaic Covenant. Mosaic Covenant. You find most of that in, you will find most of it in Exodus 19, also in Exodus 24. You will find that the uh, that covenant. So it's, and it's a long one. Moses has a long one because it's the entire law that God sets forth. You know, uh, you see Exodus 20. Let's look at Exodus 20 here for a minute. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. And it actually begins in 19, but I'm going to go to 20 right now. And then we'll back up to 19 here in a second. This is one of my favorites. You'll recognize this when, when you hear it. All right. Where are you at? Okay. And listen. And God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor, and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbour. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbour's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Amen. That was the Ten Commandments, right? You all remember that? And people were so frightened, they didn't even want it. They said, Moses, why don't you just talk to us, because this is just too scary listening to God talk. And the reason why God did that, because you had over well over a million people there. So a million people can't be hallucinating. You can't say, oh, this is fake news. They didn't hear God speak. A million people stood there and heard the same thing. And they were all terrified. So, yeah, a million people can't, can't are not going to make something like that up. Okay. So God, but in chapter 19... Uh, Israel comes to Mount Sinai. This I call it the Covenant of Sinai. And um, and that's when they camp, and that's when God makes uh, the covenant. And in verse 3, While Moses went up to God, the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall you say to the house of Jacob, Tell the children of Israel. And he goes over what he had done to them in Egypt and how he bore them out on eagles' wings and brought them to himself. And uh, and he says, if you will indeed obey my voice. Now, this one is conditional. Verse 5. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. So God wanted to raise up a kingdom of priests. And he was raising up a holy nation, right? So that's what God told him. He said, if you do this, you'll be my treasured people for all the earth. Okay, and he explains that to them. So he called all the elders together in verse 7, and he, and he uh, gives them all the commands that God gave them. And all the people, verse 8, verse 8, all the people answered together and said, all the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. So now the people have committed themselves and said, okay, tell God we'll do whatever he says we're going to do. And then, he, then God tells them, okay, I'm going to come down on a thick cloud, blah, 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 blah. So the people can hear me when I speak and you and speak with you and may also believe in you forever. So God said, I'm going to give them a little show so that they can see that I'm talking to you and they can see me and hear me, hear me for themselves. But I'll do it in a thick cloud so I don't kill anybody because nobody can see God and live. Okay. But he said, before that happens, you have to consecrate the people today and tomorrow. So take two days of consecration. You got to what? You got to wash your garments and be ready for the third day. Hmm, there's that third day thing again. From the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. 
and you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care, do not go up to the mountain or touch the edge of it. Don't even touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. So you're going to die. No hand shall touch him, but the, but he shall be stoned or shot. So God says, now you put the guy to death for touching the mountain. God's not going to kill him. But he you, you, you can't touch him either because you become corrupt. So you got to use the stones. That's where stoning comes from. You don't, you don't want to touch them. They're unclean. But you can stone them or you can shoot them, I guess, with an arrow or whatever. Spear them through. It doesn't matter. Even if an animal, you, if an animal touches the mountain, uh, you're, you're not going to live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they should come up to the mountain. So when they hear the sounds of the trumpet, it sounds like revelations, right? Trumpets being blasts. So he goes down to the mountain and consecrates the people. They wash their garments, da da da. Third day, there were thunders and lightnings, a thick cloud of mountain, and God comes down to the people. And it's so much so that all the people in the camp trembled, so they were afraid. Okay. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. So this is awesome. You're actually having a chance to hear God speak. No, God is, is no mediator. No mediator. God wants to talk to these people directly without in front of, in front of uh, Moses. So I want people to hear me talking to you. All right. And the people have a chance to really hear God for themselves. But they were scared. And I'm sure I would have been too. It's easy to say, not me. I mean, I'd have been like, oh, this is great. But evidently, um, these people were afraid. Okay. So he wrapped you know, smoke and fire and lightning and thunder. So that was probably scary to them. Okay. So now they're feeling the earthquake underneath them. Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Wow. Yeah. But Moses wasn't afraid, though. Huh. Well, that's another study in it. We'll get to that another day. Okay, so he comes on Mount Sinai, top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And he said, go down and warn the people now, lest they break through to the Lord uh, to look, and many of them perish. People might want to rush in and try to you know, catch a glimpse. Also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Okay, so anyway, so Moses said, well, the people can't come up anyway. You already set limits. They have to stay down there. Okay, so now God sends him back down in verse 24 to bring up Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people uh, break through to come up to the Lord. So he goes back down and gets uh, Aaron, brings him up there with him. And then it goes into chapter 20 with the Ten Commandments. And then from that point on, God begins to lay out laws and rules and regulations as to what uh, he, he done. And uh, ironically, verse 21 starts with uh, laws about slaves, how you treat slaves. Yes, people in Israel had slaves. Now, here they just came out of slavery. And I think that's why God started with slavery. Um, God is not condoning slavery, but he knows human nature. People are going to have slaves or servants. Abraham had servants, etc., etc. So that was very common in the ancient world. It was one of the ways that people survived. Um, 
that is not now mean God condones it or that it was okay. It was just a, a real, an unfortunate reality of the ancient world. That's all it was. Okay, there's a lot of things that God doesn't say are wrong, but we know are wrong. And somebody said, well, the Bible doesn't say slavery is wrong. I said, I said, well, let me put it to you this way. Do you want to be a slave? And most normal people will answer no. Okay, so there's got to be something wrong with it. Nobody wants to be that. Amen. What I'm going to do now, I'm going to let the Bible speak for itself. Here's the Mosaic Covenant in full effect. Full effect. It's, and, and this is the one covenant that requires you to do something. And I want you to get the effect of this. I'm going to just let the readers read for now, and then we'll comment later on. Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all Israel, Keep silence and hear, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. That day Moses charged the people, saying, When you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse. Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. And the Levites shall declare to all the men of Israel in a loud voice. Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father or his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who moves his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who misleads a blind man on the road. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who perverts the justice due to the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife, because he has uncovered his father's nakedness. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with any kind of animal. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his sister, whether the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who lies with his mother-in-law. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who strikes down his neighbor in secret. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who takes a bribe to shed innocent blood. And all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments 
that I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself, as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the fruit of your womb, and in the fruit of your livestock, and in the fruit of your ground, within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hands. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head, and not the tail. And you shall only go up, and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods to serve them. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God, or be careful to do all his commandments and his statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in, and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in all that you undertake to do, until you are destroyed and perish quickly, on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease and with fever, inflammation and fiery heat, and with drought, and with blight, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish, and the heavens over your head shall be bronze, and the earth under you shall be iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder. From heaven dust shall come down on you until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them, and you shall be a horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. 
and your dead body shall be food for all birds of the air, and for the beasts of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, and with tumors, and scabs, and itch, of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness, and confusion of mind, and you shall grope at noonday, as the blind grope in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be only oppressed and robbed continually, and there shall be no one to help you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall ravish her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not enjoy its fruit. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. Your donkey shall be seized before your face, but shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, but there shall be no one to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, while your eyes look on and fail with longing for them all day long, but you shall be helpless. A nation that you have not known shall eat up the fruit of your ground and of all your labors, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually, so that you are driven mad by the sights that your eyes see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils of which you cannot be healed, from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring you and your king, whom you set over you, to a nation that neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, and you shall become a horror, a proverb, and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you away. You shall carry much seed into the field, and shall gather in little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall father sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. The cricket shall possess all your trees and the fruit of your ground. The sojourner who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, and you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. All these curses shall come upon you, and pursue you, and overtake you till you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. They shall be a sign and a wonder against you and your offspring forever, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart, because of the abundance of all things. Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and lacking everything. And he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from far away, from the end of the earth, swooping down like the eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a hard-faced nation 
It shall not respect the old, or show mercy to the young. It shall eat the offspring of your cattle, and the fruit of your ground, until you are destroyed. It also shall not leave you grain, wine, or oil, the increase of your herds, or the young of your flock, until they have caused you to perish. They shall besiege you in all your towns, until your high and fortified walls, in which you trusted, come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you in all your towns throughout all your land, which the Lord your God has given you. And you shall eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, in the siege and in the distress, with which your enemies shall distress you. Amen. You get the point. Um, that was from Deuteronomy 27, about verse 9. Notice he starts off with the curse. So you got uh, Mount Gerizim is the blessing side, and then the other side is the curse. And then the priests are saying certain things, and the people will say amen. Then he gets to Deuteronomy, then it flows right into Deuteronomy 28. He talks about the blessing. So it starts off with the curse in 27. Then 28, to about 1 through 13, it goes into the blessings. And the, the curses start from 13, and it goes all the way to verse 68. I, I just stopped it here at verse 53. I let it read to you because I want to get a point across here. The Mosaic Covenant, it is a conditional covenant. But what happens is people, uh, particularly in, in, the, in, in the prosperity gospel movement and word of faith teaching, they love to quote Deuteronomy 28. You shall be the head and the tail, and you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field. We even got songs about it. I'm blessed in the city, I'm blessed in the field. You know, we cast down every idea. Yes, sickness and poverty will cease. It's a song about the blessings. But notice now, God spends more emphasis on the curses than on the blessings. Because he wants to rivet this in your minds. If you're going to live under that Mosaic covenant, if you're going to claim Deuteronomy 28, you are claiming, you're telling God that you want to live under the Mosaic Covenant. And I'm telling you, it is a, you don't want to do that because you're not going to get the blessings of the Mosaic Covenant because you're not going to live the way the Mosaic Covenant requires you to live. It ain't going to happen. And, and by the way, all you have to do is mess up one time, just once, and you're in violation of the Mosaic Covenant, and then the curses come upon you. It is arrogant and insane to think that you can keep every single point in the Mosaic Law. Ain't not going to happen. And that's why in the book of Hebrews it tells us, let us move on. We move on from the Mosaic Covenant. This is just descriptive. It's telling you what God did with the, with the nation of Israel. But if you follow the story through, you know, the, it gets to Joshua. Joshua reiterates, reiterates the covenant to them again. And they said, all this, we will do all the Lord has commanded us. And Joshua says, no, you're not. Because even Joshua knew, y'all have he failed and you guys are going to fail too. And then you go back and you, you go back and look for better things. So this is what I'm trying to get at here. With the Mosaic Covenant. It ain't what it's all cracked up to be, saints. And so you look at the Mosaic Covenant. Now, is there, is there anything wrong with the laws of God in the Mosaic Covenant? There's literally nothing wrong with the law. Paul makes that plain. The law is perfect. But the problem with the law is weakness is, is the flesh. 
The law is spiritual and we're flesh, and the flesh can't do spiritual things. Can't happen. We can't be we we can't attain to that because of our lower nature. We're just human beings, flawed, fallen human beings, and in our fallenness, we can't muster the strength of the energy to keep the Mosaic law. So the only thing this law does, the only thing this covenant can do is condemn us and demonstrate to us we need something else because this ain't working. God, Moses saw the law. He went back up to the mountain and asked God for grace because he knew we needed something else. Day King David in the 51st Psalm, when he, after he had sinned with Bathsheba and murdered her husband, and the prophet Nathan confronts him and exposes him, when he repents before God, he makes this statement, you desire truth in the inward parts, in the hidden part, you make me to know wisdom. And then he says this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Re restore to me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. David understood that unless the law is written on the heart, unless there's an internal work of God on the on humanity, a an act of creation, a creative act on the human heart, we are doomed to continually and habitually break the law of Moses. And the only thing we're going to get out of that covenant is curses. You're not going to get the blessings. You're just going to get a bunch of curses. That's it. For the law is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. And God gave it as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now, when you go to the book of Revelations and God is getting ready to judge the earth. And it talks about the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant appears in heaven. What did you have inside the Ark of the Covenant? You had Aaron's rod that budded. You had the, the a golden thing that held that held the, uh, the the manna that came down from heaven, and you had the Mosaic covenant, the laws of God, the tablets, where God where, where God's laws were written. And when God gets ready to judge the earth, that 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 Ark of the Covenant, it has just two things. It, it is a seat of judgment. When God comes and sits on that seat in the temple. The Ark of the Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, when God sits on that, it becomes a judgment seat. It only becomes a seat of mercy when the blood is applied to it. But take that factor out of the equation, you're doomed. And this is why God created the, the priestly covenant. The priestly covenant was designed to keep God from killing these people because they, they habitually, constantly broke the Mosaic Covenant over and over and over again. Read the Old Testament. They, they, they false gods, idols worshiping they did all kinds of stuff they weren't supposed to do killing and murdering of the of god's prophets they did everything wrong right down to the crucifixion of christ they habitually constantly blew it and you and i are no different we're not better than these people we will look at the mosaic law and somehow some way we will find a way to mess it up i challenge anybody to tell me that they're keeping this 100 percent I dare anyone to tell me that. And anybody who's telling you this is lying. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. If all together gone, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone to his own way. And the only thing that's going to save us is the new covenant where God had to lay upon Christ the iniquity of us all. 
this doesn't work. There ain't no way I'm living out of no Deuteronomy 28. And you're a fool if you're trying to, to claim that as, your, as, you know, some sort of blessing that's supposed to come upon you. Because that only works if you're perfect. If you ain't perfect, it ain't going to work. Oh, and by the way, this was a national covenant. It's not even a personal. God's making a covenant with a nation nationally. It's not an individual covenant per se. It's on a national level. It's dealing with an entire nation. I don't live under that covenant. I look at that thing and I'm like, yikes. Okay, I'm just, I only thing it tells me is I'm doomed to failure. That's all you're going to get out of that. Well, this is the end of part one of Covenants. Next week, we'll do part two. Thank you all for listening to The Sword and the Spirit. I'm very grateful for anybody who takes the time out to listen to this podcast out of your day. Thank you so much. I am forever grateful to you uh, for that. Because Again, like I said, there's a lot of other things you could possibly be doing with your time, but you don't think it robbery to listen to this poor preacher do the best he can to expound on the things of God. So I deeply appreciate everyone uh, who does that. Um, I'm on multiple platforms. I'm on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify, as well as iHeartRadio, just to name a few of the Google Podcasts, just to name a few of the of where you can find the, the, the Sword and Spirit. And soon to be coming YouTube. I have one on YouTube right now. And uh, as soon as I get some other things worked out uh, for video, then I will also be on YouTube. But I'm going to stay also on these other platforms as well. I just add YouTube as well. So just keep that in mind. And um, just keep me in prayer that we'll be able to expand this. My only goal here is to help God's people, protect them from error and deception, and to get you into the things of God and to understanding what the real gospel is about. Um, to leave some things here that will help you in your walk with God. If this has been a blessing to you and you want to say so, you can reach me at rhyd12001 at gmail.com or you just want to connect with me or ask me questions or whatever. That's fine. RHYD12001 at gmail.com is where I can be reached. You can connect with me if you want to connect with me there. So God bless you and thank you for listening. Please, whatever platform you go on, just do me one favor. Like and share and subscribe. Like, share, and subscribe. God bless you and thank you for listening to The Sword and the Spirit.